Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on June 26, 2022. We still had a couple of technical issues to sort out on Sunday, which means the podcast starts at the point of the Gospel reading. Thank you for bearing with us while we iron out these kinks. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. from Luke chapter 9 verses 51 to 62. Glory to Christ our Saviour. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village, and as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the gospel, God, good news for all. Loving God, thank you for your words to us today through scripture. We pray that as individuals and as a community, we may enter into the freedom of Christ and the joy and the love, but also that we may enter into the sacrifices, the way of the cross and that we would get that balance right. Amen. When my eldest son was a a baby, he had one toy, which was an octopus, that uh, whenever he got, it's like blue, it's quite a common toy, he would just wrestle with it. And he didn't do it with any other toy, but every time you gave him this uh, octopus, something in him felt he had to wrestle (laughs) with this toy. And uh, I feel a little bit like I've had to wrestle with this uh, uh, gospel uh, passage, which uh, Rachel said was quite a a powerful um, and challenging uh, passage. 
and uh, I really must look at the rotor before I put my name down. <laughs> look at the readings. I've learned, I learned that. I should have given this to uh, Jolyon or Ken or someone else to do, but anyway. Um, so our gospel today uh, has Jesus at his most radical with a series of challenging responses uh, that both shock and I think baffle us to some extent. And I think to begin to understand it, um, it, it's helpful to see it in the context and motif of journey. Um, and certainly geography and place has huge significance in this passage. So the story moves from Galilee um, and the destination is Jerusalem and they move through Samaria. So those are the three places, Galilee, Samaria and Jerusalem that are significant. And Henry Nouwen uh, once said that the further our outward journey takes you, the deeper our inward journey must be. So I think we've got this outward journey, physical journey going on, but an inner transformation uh, that is happening as well. So we have Jesus asking his followers to go on this journey uh, to Jerusalem, which will require great commitment, lead to profound transformation. And as Jesus always does, he, he doesn't sort of gild the lily. He, he says it as it is. He says this is uh, to his potential followers. This journey will be tough. It will require sacrifice. So the journey starts with Jesus taking his followers out of Galilee, their homeland. Thereby, he's taking them beyond uh, their own borders, beyond their own tribe, into new territory. And they're leaving behind all that is uh, familiar to them. They're leaving behind their culture, uh, people like them who speak the same language, have the same unwritten rules of social interaction. And if you've ever been abroad, it can be quite a vulnerable uh, place to be. I've been watching Michael Palin traveling around the world, going to places where they didn't understand him. Um, and you're just, you're leaving your comfort zone, basically. And it's interesting that all heroic journeys in uh, religious stories or myths, um, uh, they always involve leaving home in some way whether it's a physical leaving of home or whether it's psychologically, but there is a leaving of the comfort zones. And just to repeat what Henry Nouwen says, the further the outward journey takes us, the deeper our inward journey must be. But not only does Jesus ask his followers to leave their home and with it their occupations and security, but he takes them through unforgiving territory. Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. Now most Jews would avoid going through Samaria and take the long journey around its borders if they were going to Jer Jerusalem because of a centuries-long ongoing uh, conflict, meaning that a hostile reception there was always going to be likely. And one of the flashpoints uh, of this conflict had been the destruction of the Samarian temple around 128 uh, BC by the Jews. And because it was seen as the rival t uh, to the Jerusalem temple, um, uh, there was this huge hostility. So not surprisingly, Jesus is not welcome because he is on his way to Jerusalem, the site of the hated temple of the Samaritans. And Luke tells us that the Samaritans did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. 
And at this point, his disciples, James and John, becoming enraged and they, uh, because they haven't been welcomed and they want revenge. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy these Samaritans? And Jesus harshly rebukes them, and it's hugely significant this, because this is the kind of retribution that is precisely what Jesus has come to change and, and what he does on the cross in Jerusalem. And he says his, his eyes are set resolutely on Jerusalem. And I'll come back to this later. So as Jesus journeys through Samaria, he meets uh, three people, all with what seem legitimate, but even worthy reasons for not following him immediately. To the first, he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, following Jesus on this journey is more important than even our house and our home and our domestic security. Then the second uh, person wants to bury his father and Jesus responds, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And even what would have been a, a, a sacred duty in first century Palestine, uh, Jesus is saying, burying your parents, it can wait. This is more important. Then the third person says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And remember, the Middle Eastern culture, family is uh, absolutely, the glue is, is central to everything uh, that they believe and are. And following Jesus, uh, and, G and Jesus replies, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hard, hard words. Following Jesus on this journey seems to me even more important than family. And I think we have to, we have to realize that these are highly exaggerated and provo provocative statements, which is a common way in the Middle East, if you've ever been there, to make a point. They will, will um, exaggerate in order to make their point. But what point is Jesus trying to make as he deliberately chooses examples which we would naturally prioritize in order to shock us into a different consciousness, into a different way of seeing and living in the world? Now, I don't believe that Jesus is advocating we should uh, not go to our parents' funeral or neglect our family. But instead, I think he is trying to enlarge our minds and our hearts to take in the bigger, more expansive picture that extends beyond our home, beyond our picket fence, as it were, and even beyond our family. And I also think that there may be situations, a time in our lives, uh, it may never come, when we are faced with something that is even more important than home, parents, and family. And I'll just give two examples um, of this uh, bigger picture. One is an old story uh, um, of Thomas Aquinas, uh, who's a, a, a very famous um, theologian, uh, great thinker and theolo uh, theologian, who had this mystical experience late on in, in his life where he saw a, a vision of Jesus, which was so overwhelming 
that he shouted at the top of his voice, burn all my books. I mean, he'd written thousands of books. This was his life's work. But his, he felt that the experience was so much bigger uh, than everything that he'd done in his life that it all sort of uh, paled into comparison. And fortunately, uh, uh, the junior monks ignored what, he was, what he'd asked. But I think a more up-to-date uh, example of this uh, is Edward Snowden. I don't know if you, you know Edward Snowden, but the CIA whistleblower. A man who has actually sacrificed all the things that Jesus speaks about. He sacrificed home, uh, living in America. Uh, sacrificed the chance to go to the funerals uh, of his parents, if, if that happened. Um, and he sacrificed his family life so that the world might know the truce truth, rather, about the extent of state surveillance and invasion of privacy of ordinary citizens that's good, that the CIA were involved in, in, not just in the United States, but across uh, the world. This modern-day prophet, uh, and I call him a prophet because prophets always critique the establishment, could not uh, uh, live in a world where freedom was being eroded to such an extent. And he felt, you know, even family life and children, he didn't want them to live in that world. He felt he had to sacrifice these things to do something. So Jesus is wanting us to see the bigger picture that goes beyond home and family. A bigger picture symbolized by the destination of the journey, which is Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, again, is hugely symbolic. Um, it is the center of what God is doing on earth. It is, in some ways, all history in microcosm. A holy city of light and hope, the center of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. But with this great light is a huge dark side of rivalry, hatred between races, religions, denominations, of great violence and oppression and abuse of power. So this journey to Jerusalem, where he will die on the cross, becomes for Jesus more important than home, occupation, sacred duties, and family. And I want to just, uh, it really would take a whole nother sermon to, to get into this deeply, but I want to look at um, the cross uh, and how it links with this idea of uh, going out from our homeland. And I'm gonna use the work of a Catholic priest called James Allison who uh, um, has uh, worked for the rights of the LGBT plus community and felt very strongly uh, of why the church had marginalized them. Why was it that the church uh, seemed to attack this community? And he studied the work of um, René Girard, who was a renowned historian and anthropologist. And Girard came to the conclusion that through his research, the central dynamic of history, the central mechanism that drives history forward is the scapegoating mechanism. The need for individuals, for groups, for nation states, religions, ideologies to hold together by having somebody else to blame, somebody else to hate, to be against somebody. You, you can see it in our politics. It's the easy, it's the easy way to have uh, the bad guys and to blame them uh, rather than say what you know, what, what is good that you are proposing. Psychology has a name for it, the projection, a projection uh, of the issues that, that, that we have inside. 
And he concluded that history has been driven by who hates who, who attacks who, causing a constant redressing of remembered hurts through revenge so that you get this endless cycle uh, of violence that occurs and becomes difficult to break. And if you've ever looked at any conflict situation, Northern Ireland, Ukraine, uh, the complexity of the history is always there. And René Girard was actually drawn to the Christian faith because he saw that Jesus provided the answer to this fundamental uh, problem that had caused so much pain and destruction throughout history because Jesus actually breaks this cycle. Unlike the disciples, he doesn't resort uh, to calling down fire and thunder on his enemies as he is tortured and humiliated on the cross, but somehow he manages to utter the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Similarly, Jesus in his life or death doesn't play the scapegoat game. He doesn't blame, judge, accuse, expel, or exclude others who are different than himself. In fact, on the cross, he becomes the scapegoat. Jesus is saying, blame me, accuse me, exclude me, expel me, so that you don't have to do it to others so that you don't have to be at war with yourselves or with that of the other, that you can actually fulfill this commandment of loving your neighbor, whatever race, religion, class, sexuality they may be. And the cross, as I tried to illustrate with my rather clumsy uh, chair illustration, um, is never a way of dealing with God's anger. It's always to dealing with our anger. And this, I think, is why Jesus is so quick to rebuke his disciples who want to bring fire from heaven to destroy the Samaritans. He wants them to sign up to something bigger than this tribal worldview. If you want to follow me, he says, you cannot keep looking back. You cannot keep rehashing old resentments and hurts. Instead, forgive, let go of anger and hatred. And Richard Raw says, when you don't need to play the victim or create the victim, you are free. And in our Galatians passage, we have uh, Paul saying, for freedom, Christ has set you free. So we're called to look forwards. We're called to set our eyes on the kingdom of God. Because what God is doing is bigger, more important than anything you can imagine. Jesus is saying, set your eyes on Jerusalem. God, of course, is in our past, and it is good to honor and be rooted in our past. But overwhelmingly, God is a God of the present and the future. We are called to look forward and not backwards. We are called to go beyond our borders, to look beyond our tribe, and be willing to encounter the other, those who are different than ourselves. And in this gospel story of journeying, I believe Jesus is challenging us by asking the question, what new worlds are we as individuals, but also as a community, are we willing to enter? Are we willing to go beyond our families? Are we willing to go beyond our church family? What otherness, otherness are we willing to encounter? And my prayer is that we may have the grace and the courage 
to go on this exciting and challenging uh, journey as we look to be increasingly part of the bloodstream of Leith and this community. So I end again with a quote from Henry Nouwen. The further the outward journey takes us, the deeper our inward journey must be. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for reminding us today that you call us and all people to see the bigger picture beyond what's immediately before us as we journey through life and beyond what's being put before us by others. Thank you that you call us to see the world around us and the communities around us through your eyes and with your freedom. We thank you for this amazing world, your creation, for the whole intricate, interdependent web of life which you have entrusted to our stewardship. Please help us and all people not to lose sight of this bigger picture, of our responsibility to care for this world. We pray that we would all here and in every nation remain mindful of our choices and actions and of their consequences, even at times when other issues may seem more pressing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for leaders, politicians and lawmakers throughout the world who've been drawing themselves to our attention this week in many different ways. <clears throat> we pray for these people whose hearts you know, that they might see beyond their fundamental opinions and the lobbies that press them and that they may glimpse your bigger picture and seek to share in this. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you and pray for all the communities around us here in Leith or wherever else you may be based and for all the other communities each of us are part of. <clears throat> we pray that you would help us to share in your vision for these communities and the part you would have us play in them. Please help us here at St. James's to be open to you 
and your bigger picture as we journey together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we bring ourselves before you now as we journey through life. Thank you for reminding us that Jesus broke the pain, the cycle of pain and hate on the cross. And so we take a moment now to acknowledge any pain or hatred that we're aware of in ourselves and to bring it before you, loving God, now in prayer, opening ourselves to your freedom. I pray that with the psalmist, we may be able to say, you show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Amen. And let's finish by praying the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Yours, Holy One, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you and from <clears throat> the Lord be with you. We lift up our hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Worship and praise belong to you, author of all being. Your power sustains, your love restores our broken world. You are unceasingly at work, bringing order from chaos and filling emptiness with life. Christ, raised from the dead, proclaims the dawn of hope. He lives in us that we may walk in light. And your spirit is fire in us. Your breath is power to purge our sin and warm our hearts to, live, to love. And as children of your redeeming purpose, freed by him who burst from the tomb, and opened the gate of life. We offer you our praise with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven, singing the hymn of your unending glory. Holy, holy, holy God of power and might. Holy, holy, holy. 
Praise and thanksgiving be to you, God of all, for by the cross eternal life is ours and death is swallowed up in victory. In the first light of Easter, glory broke from the tomb and changed the women's sorrow into joy. From the garden, the mystery dawned that he whom they had loved and lost is with us now in every place forever. Making himself known in the breaking of the bread, speaking peace to the fearful disciples, welcoming weary fishermen on the shore. He renewed the promise of his presence and of new birth in the spirit who sets the seal of freedom on your sons and daughters. Before he was given up to suffering and death, recalling the night of Israel's release, the night in which the slaves walked free at supper with the disciples, he took the bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. After supper, he took the cup, he offered you thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for all, that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. We now obey your son's command. We recall his blessed passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension. And we look for the coming of his kingdom. Made one with him, we offer you these gifts and with ourselves a single, holy, living sacrifice. Hear us, most merciful God, and send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon this bread and wine, that overshadowed by the life-giving power, they may be the body and blood of your Son, and we may be kindled with the fire of your love and renewed for the service of your kingdom. Help us who are baptized into Christ's body to live and work to your praise and glory. May we grow together in unity and love until at last, in your new creation, we enter into your heritage in the company of the Virgin Mary, the apostles and prophets, and all our brothers and sisters, living and departed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be to you, Lord of all ages, world without end.
moment to take in the words of that song. Travelling the road to freedom, I am the way. I'll take you there. Choose to come on the journey, or choose to criticise or stare. Earth's mesmerising evil, only a traveller can re repair. Travelling the road to freedom, I am the way. I'll take you there. Jesus offers the in invitation. Who wants to travel this road with me? Let us give thanks together. God of all that is, who is with us from cradle to grave and throughout all time, give us faith and courage and experience fully the truth of who we are, that we may evermore live in the joy of your love. Amen. Sent by the Lord and I. So we're going to do voices and percussion first of all. Here we go. Sent by. 